You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Flagship Podcast, everybody. I am Chip Brown of Lawrence247.com, joined by our managing editor, Taylor Estes. Taylor, how you doing? I am doing all right. It's been a little bit of a um, crazy, wild whirlwind. I Every word you can think of, you know, ma- manic type of situation going on. Um, over at Horns 24-7 with all of these commitments that the Longhorns are getting. Our guy Mike Roach is out of town, so I'm trying to help Hudson Standish, you know, kind of maneuver his way through all of this uh, news that keeps coming down. So I've slept very little over the last few days, so I apologize if uh, I'm a little dragon here. But I'm going to come together here and put together a good show with you, Chip. How are you doing? Yeah, I mean, it's been exciting, exciting times uh, for Texas Longhorns fans because seven commitments since Arch Manning uh, announced his commitment. And we talked about this on Monday. If you missed our our Arch effect, Arch madness um, episode, talking about the impact on the program, how he fits into the, the team situation. I'll make sure you check that out. But yeah, the commitments have kept rolling in and you know, we're talking about big time commitments and and Steve Sarkeesian and I mean kudos to him and his staff, uh Mike Roach and Hudson Standish uh, of Horns 24-7 say it's not over yet. So don't don't wander too far from your <laughs> from your phone, uh your horns twenty-four seven uh updates because um there's more coming most likely. So it's been an unbelievable uh, time with all this momentum that the Texas Longhorns are building in the in the class of 2023. Yeah, it really is. And uh, to correct you, they actually technically had eight commitments since Arch Manning announced. Arch Manning announced. So we're recording on Tuesday. So Arch Manning announced on Thursday. So not even a week ago. And since then, eight commitments, including the addition of five-star safety Derek Williams, um, another player out of Louisiana, and another five-star out of Louisiana. And Chip, I can't remember the last time Texas signed two players or you know had commitments from two players out of Louisiana, let alone I don't think there's ever been a time where they've had two commitments from two five-stars out of Louisiana. You know, uh, LSU really has for the longest time had kind of a stranglehold on the best talent in that state. They uh, they make sure no other schools try to come in and poach it, but times are different now with NIL deals, with, um, you know, just a lot of other things. And yeah, I mean, that that was the, a huge one. I mean, can you, do you, can you remember even, I'm, I'm thinking from my time, I don't recall any time that Texas had two five stars from Louisiana. I can't recall two you know, top priority targets out of Louisiana. Can you think back, you know, dating back to how long, you know, the, the half a century that you've covered Texas happening? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not, it's not happened. You know, they went yeah. after Leonard Fournette. They went after Ryan Perilou. They didn't get him. Um, and, you know, you have to wonder how much of the Derek Williams uh, commitment is his knowledge of Arch Manning, both of them from the same state. And, um, and stay tuned because yeah. like we said, there's probably more coming and and it it's an exciting time. I mean, you talk about four offensive linemen committing on the same day and they wanted to do it because they are excited and eager to play together at Texas. I mean, this stuff is is uh almost too good to be true. I mean, you yeah. typically well, let's just say Texas recruiting of offensive linemen before the 2022 signing class at times looked like shoot ready aim. Right. It was, let's see who we can get after we missed all, you know, missed on all of our big targets. And these guys 
didn't know each other. They weren't committing with each other. It's a different world now. I mean, you've got four offensive linemen. They're massive human beings, by the way. Connor Stroh is looks like, you know, a, a giant. And and they want to commit on the same day because they're excited about, you know, progressing through the program together. I mean, the, again, this for Texas, which lost its way at quarterback recruit, it, you know, recruiting the quarterback position back in 2008 and ever since then has struggled to recruit offensive linemen. Those two positions do go hand in hand, kids. Mm-hmm. If you have the the big stud quarterback recruit, you get offensive linemen who want to play with that quarterback because they know things are going to go well. If they don't know what's going on at quarterback, they typically go to other programs where they've had the quarterback position buttoned up like Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama. You just look at Oklahoma even. Oklahoma's had the best offensive line in the Big 12 for the last 10 years for a reason because – um, Bob Stoops, Lincoln Riley did a great job of getting the quarterback position right. And especially Lincoln Riley here lately, my goodness, uh, with trips to the Heisman and number one picks in the NFL draft. So Texas trying to get on track like that and boom, when you are in track at quarterback, you get offensive line recruits, you get skill talent, um, you know, fortunately for Texas, B. John Robinson wanted to come anyway. And, you know, people are like, oh, poor Bijan. He's not going to get to play with these stud offensive linemen once they know what they're doing. Well, Bijan doesn't need a lot of help. He just needs yeah. people to get in the way. Yeah, not in his way. Need to get in the way of defenders and out of his right, own not his way. way. <laughs> that, that's the only way. thing he needs. He just needs open a tiny hole and he'll come through. <laughs> yeah, in the mojo – around the program right now is it's feeding off of the current team as they're going through workouts and as they help to recruit these kids, there's a, a real positive energy that has been going on. And we've talked about this that, you know, and again, it's, you don't want to make too much of it because we are definitely in a show me, don't tell me situation when it comes to Texas football and Texas fans are like, I'm so sick of hearing how well, Summer workouts are going and then five and seven and blah. We all are. We all are tired of it. Yeah, Yeah, we're we're (laughs) tired of it too. We're almost (laughs) reluctant to pass on information. We've said that before because it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, we had to kind of, do we keep talking about Xavier Worthy last summer? Because we're hearing great things. Now we were right on that. And, you know, I think there's excitement. We've talked about with Brennan uh, Thompson coming in, um, the, blazing receiver from Spearman and and you know he's a guy who's definitely catching eye we talked about Isaiah Nayer before the spring we were right on that so there is excitement there is synergy right now within the program with the current players and the guys they're recruiting and I think that um, that bodes well for Steve Sarkeesian again in this somewhat miraculous offseason after that five and seven season it's if you're a Texas fan, you've pretty much had a steady stream of good news going since the end of that football season. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, Chip, if you think about it, like when you look at the recruiting that Texas is able to do right now, I know a lot of people are sitting there saying, oh, it's the money that Texas you know, donors have, the NIL put, you know, possibilities or whatever. Obviously, I'm not going to ignore that fact. But the reality is we've talked about this on Monday. Good players want to play with good players. And when you land the nation's number one overall prospect as a commit, I know he's not signed or anything, but you know, I said this on Monday's show, I would be shocked if Arch Manning were not to end up signing at Texas, barring some crazy type of like scandal or something like that, just because of how methodically the Manning family really approached the, his recruitment dating back to, you know, last you know, off season, I would say 2021 off season, you know, um, I would be shocked if he didn't end up signing at Texas and players know that recruits know that. But the other thing I think that you have to, you know, I'm not trying to take away anything that the staff has done. The staff has done a fantastic job. The other place where I think the staff has done a fantastic job this off season 
that isn't giving the credit is the connection with the current players on the roster. Because the fact that these current players are going above and beyond to recruit, help recruit these kids. I mean, let's be honest, there were times during the Tom Herman era where we didn't hear very positive things coming from team members to recruits. We heard the opposite. There was a lot of probably negative commentary or warnings like beware, you know, type of things. And the fact that Steve Sarkeesian, you know, he acknowledged after last season that he, you know, did maybe didn't do a very good job of connecting with his team. I feel like what you're seeing in recruiting right now, obviously is a testament to what the coaches are selling to these kids. But I also think it's a testament to the relationship that the current Texas staff is building with their current players to also help be the people to help land these type of commitments. And it's paying off. Your, your best recruiters are your current players. There's no right. doubt about that. And we mentioned that Quinn Ewers was the number one um, prospect in the 2021 class, and he's a quarterback. There have only been five quarterbacks uh, in that top overall prospect uh, position dating to Vince Young in 2002, and now three of those five have, you know, ties to Texas. Mm -hmm. And the other two, Trevor Lawrence and Matt Barkley. Um, but when you can land two of those in basically um, less than a year, because you yeah. get Quinn Ewers as a transfer and you get the commitment from Arch Manning, Man, that is exactly what Steve Sarkeesian needed because his reputation is as an offensive guru and quarterback developer. He needed to be able to pull in the top quarterbacks based on his own pedigree. And to do that with the, the coaching staff's help, obviously, uh, A.J. Milwee was all over this recruitment of Arch Manning as well, um, is huge. And it, it just... Uh, you know, the quarterback position can mask. Mike Leach told me the quarterback can be responsible for up to 75% of your team's season success. And he said, you don't think Texas fans feel that way about Vince Young? And that's that. I mean, Texas fans need only to look at that guy over my shoulder and, and say, yeah, uh, that, that, that's true. It, believe it or not. And a sport with 22 other players, uh, or 21 other players, the quarterback can make that big of a difference. And, and so we'll see right now, a lot of positive momentum. Um, Taylor, real quick, before we get back to our position rankings, a little bit of tough news for UT baseball, just hit on this before we get to our uh, position ranking countdown uh, for the, for the football team going into the 2022 season. But um, Texas did, make an offer to Frank Anderson, the former uh, pitching coach at Texas, who was here in the early 2000s when Texas was rolling, uh, winning the College World Series in 2002. Um, and Frank Anderson's now at Tennessee. And Texas made an offer to Frank Anderson. He turned it down on, on Tuesday. We're recording on Tuesday. He turned it down this morning. Um, and so that's a little bit of uh, discouraging news. Obviously, David Pierce trying to uh, re remake his staff after letting go of Sean Allen, who was the hitting coach and then was moved to the pitching coach when Troy Tulowitzki joined the staff back in, in uh, 2020. And, and Troy Tulowitzki now indicating that he's uh, probably going to step away from coaching, uh, go into private consulting he's also got a new baby on the way uh has caused you know longhorn nation to be a little bit concerned but david pierce um you know look he's got all the resources he's got chris del conte willing to write checks and so we'll keep you up to date on where david pierce is in his uh search for possibly three new assistants because i'm hearing um that he has also um, reassigned Philip Miller, his, uh, his other paid assistant. And, and so, uh, David Pierce has, um, you know, a chance to reset everything and, 
Um, I think once that happens, all the all the anxiousness will will subside among Longhorn Baseball Nation. Yeah, and Crystal Conte has said in the past he gives coaches one reset, right? I mean, he he gave it to Tom Herman coming after that 2019 season. So I don't, I mean, yeah, David Pierce has not used that reset or hit the reset button, but for sure there's, there's definitely a lot, you know, still pending and up in the air for Texas baseball. Yeah. We'll keep you posted on that. Uh, make sure you are dialed in at horns 24, com. All right, Taylor, we've been counting down uh, to the top positions for the Texas Longhorns going into the 2022 football season. We started at 10. And if you missed the previous uh, episodes, well, then go back and listen, because today we are at number six in our countdown. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. And number six, coming in at number six, tight end. Tight end. Um, now, this is interesting. If you've been paying attention to the countdown, okay, we'll, we'll just tell you what we've been saying. <laughs> Um, go back and listen still, but we'll go back and listen still because we have here really real quick. <laughs> incredible points that we've been making. Offensive line obviously is at number 10, special teams at nine, primarily because Dicker the kicker has moved on. Okay. And then at number eight, safety. Number seven, corner. And now number six, tight end. Tight end at number six, Taylor, for me, mm-hmm. because you've got this, you got talent. You right. got Tavian Sanders and Gunnar Helm, who were green as a baby's diaper yeah. last year, didn't know what they were doing. But man, they came in this offseason and in the spring and looked like they knew what they were doing, especially Jatavian Sanders. He was behind Gunnar Helm in the blocking, um, you know, last season, all of last season, and even going into the spring. And then it appeared that Jatavian Sanders, it clicked. He became a more physical player, was ready to take on all the blocking that comes with that position. I mean, especially in Steve Sarkeesian's offense, he has to have at least one blocking tight end on the field at all times. And, and so Jatavian Sanders and Gunnar Helm, they've got no starting experience whatsoever in a college game, but they have incredible athleticism. They can both catch the football. Now it looks like they're both ready to take on that blocking tight end role. And then you uh, add the fact that they brought in Jaleel Billingsley, the pass catching tight end from Alabama, who's got tons of experience as one a national championship um, with Steve Sarkeesian back in 2020. And so, you know, this is a position that has tons of upside, not a lot of on-field experience or, or, you know, remember Girl Scout and Cub Scout badges. You got to get those badges to move up. They don't have a lot of badges yet on their, on their shirt. Yeah. They got to earn that. But I think people are, excited about this position even though you got some youth there yeah i was gonna say i never really knew anything about girl scout badges because my dad said that if i wanted to do extracurriculars it was gonna be sports not something like that so i don't understand that but i know what you're saying though yeah i mean i think that i didn't do girl scouts or boy scouts either but i would hope you wouldn't do girl scouts but you know i have kids (laughs) um but no yeah i think that you know chip and i are we, I kind of had a different position for number six, We, we but it was kind of a flip-flop one, kind of similar to um, safety and special teams, I think was my like kind of flip-flop. I could have done either or. But yeah, I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of pieces to the tight end puzzle right now, Chip, but it's all unknown. And, you know, when you look back at the, the tight end position, Texas had Cade Brewer for what, five years on campus and he played substantial snaps and obviously they lose him. Um, You know, they used to have Jared Wiley. Jared Wiley always looked 
the part for the tight end. But when it came down to business, I just don't really think he liked contact too much. Honestly, I think that he wanted to be more of a receiving tight end more so than a or than a blocking tight end. But you do have, you know, options. It's just you're just waiting for it to click. And I think that everyone wants to see that, especially from Jatavian Sanders, I would say, Chip, because, you know, he came into Texas as a five star prospect. He played both sides of the ball and he did play on the defensive side, um, defense alignment. So you would think that the blocking would come a little bit more naturally to him. It's been a little bit of a slower process, but I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that there were other experienced options on the roster who could fill that role and not have to leave it to, you know, Jeff Banks relying on a true freshman that did not early enrollee or early enroll, excuse me, in 2021. So, yeah, I mean, I think that number six is probably a fair rating. There's definitely upside there. I think the upside of Jaleel Billingsley is going to be exciting to see, to see how they end up, um, you know, going about, you you know, utilizing him. Because I think that you will see him more in a receiving role a lot of times too, not just at, at a tight end. But this is a huge position in Steve Sarkeesian's offense, as you mentioned. Um, and a lot of it, there's a lot of upside, but still the the inexperience leaves you a little bit skeptical about how um, you know much of a positive impact I would say that they're going to make this season without you know the the veteran guys of Cade Brewer and Jared Wiley to lean on. Yeah, I mean it's it's a lot. I mean Steve Sarkeesian uses the tight ends for all the motion that he uses to help the quarterback determine if the defense is in man or zone. So there's a lot of uh, language in that uh, play call, especially when you see the, the tight end start to go in motion and then go back and then go again. I mean, it's there's a lot of stuff that the tight end has to be responsible for in addition to blocking and catching. And, and so let's see. You know, Jaleel Billingsley is interesting, Taylor, because like we said, he's won a national championship. He's, but he's built like Troy O'Meary. I mean, he's right. He's, you know, six foot three, maybe six foot four, uh, 230. And Steve Sarkeesian and Jeff Banks felt like they could bring Jaleel Billingsley in. And he got passed by last year at Alabama. I mean, he was not starting tight end. And, and I think, you know, he wanted a chance to show uh, a new coach, hey, I can be everything you need me to be. And I'm fascinated to see it because we know Jaleel Billingsley can catch the football. He made, He's made big plays and big games when he was at Alabama. Let's see if he can, you know, get over the hump in terms of being a physical blocking presence um, for the Texas Longhorns offense. If he wants to be on the field, that's what it's going to take. And... And so those that's kind of the three-headed monster you've got. You know, you still have Braden Librock, uh, whose career so far at Texas has just been maligned by injury, unfortunately. But let's see what he's got. He had a shoulder injury, which is devastating for an inline guy because you've got to get stronger in the offseason. A shoulder injury keeps you from being able to add that weight, especially that upper body strength, uh, to get uh, defenders off of you or to – um, be able to block and contain a defender. And then you've got Juan Davis, who's, man, is he fast? I mean, he looks like he could be a big receiver, but, um, you know, he's, he's been working it at tight end as well. And I'm, I'm fascinated by him because man, he's fast and, and he's just got to become a more physical player. Yeah. I'm really curious. When you talk about Jaleel Billingsley, I'm really curious to see what, his weight will be kind of after summer because, um, you know, the the spring football roster had him at 6'4", 216. And when I hear that, I, you, you know, you had made your comparison. My comparison to that's more of a little Jordan Humphrey, I would say he kind of reminds me of. And that's not a bad thing, obviously. Um, but if they really want him to be more than just a, you know, a pass catching tight end, then Tory Becton and the strength and conditioning staff is going to really have to um, – work this summer, I think, because, you know, 216 going up against a 300 pound defense alignment or a, you know, 270 linebacker or something, that's a mismatch that will give 
defensive coordinator make them salivate. You know what I mean? When you see that on paper. So yeah, I think that it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm really curious to see if that changes, you know, after him being in the summer um, strength and conditioning program at Texas, um, especially since he's already, you know, it's not like a, a new type of player that's getting used to being in a college weight room or anything like that. He's a transfer coming from Alabama, probably one of the most elite, you know, uh, strength and conditioning programs, I would say, in college football based off of their results. And that's such a key part of football that a lot of people don't think about. But it's going to be interesting to see where he starts at fall camp to meet Chip. Yeah, and you mentioned a little Jordan Humphrey, who uh, just got picked up by the New England Patriots. So, yeah, that that's not a bad comparison if that's, that's who he ends up uh, comparing to. But, um, all right, so drum roll as we move to our position ranking number five for the Texas Longhorns going into the 2022 season linebacker and linebacker. ladies and gentlemen, um, this is a position that needs to take a huge step up because it looked a bit like a fire drill last year. Um, DeMarvin Overshawn is back for a fifth season and I talked about this in the spring, wrote about it in the insider and um, along with Jalen Ford, they were playing more physical. Uh, that that's been the knock on DeMarvin Overshawn that yes, he's lightning fast. He's got sideline to sideline ability, but that he hadn't put on the weight or the determination to be a more physical player. And that is something that the coaches, um, I mean, look, they had Jalen Ford and David Benda out on the field together uh, early in the spring to send the message to DeMarvin Overshawn that you've got to be more physical. He met the challenge. Uh, everybody's excited about where DeMarvin Overshawn is going uh, at that weak side linebacker position. Jalen Ford stepping in. Last year it was Luke Brockermeyer, but Jalen Ford ended up as your third leading tackler on the team. And everyone says that he's finally playing with the confidence that's needed uh, to control the middle of this defense. And, you know, Jalen Ford has a NFL frame and now he's just got to trust his instincts and go. And I think that we're going to see a big year out of Jalen Ford. So I think, He's a guy that you look to. And then you have David Benda, who's been a productive player, can play outside, can play inside if he has to. They'd like him to be outside at that weak side linebacker. And Jet Bush, Taylor, keep that name in mind. Jet Bush has been this sort of all over the place, you know, utility edge rusher, sometime linebacker. They have packages where he is going to be a linebacker not on the line but off the line and they love his physicality so I'm interested to see what they've got in store for Jet Bush and of course they they only brought in um, Travell Johnson in the in the 2022 recruiting class at the linebacker position and that um, you know wasn't you know, he's a three-star guy and people were like, where's the linebackers, man? And the, the reason they love Travell Johnson is because the guy loves contact. He is a physical monster. And so he's not even that big as I recall. Yeah. He's like 200 pounds, but they, they just love the, his speed and his willingness to uh, come up and hit. So it's probably going to take a minute for Travell Johnson to get, uh, some some meat on those bones, Taylor. Yeah, and I would say this is kind of why I was thinking linebacker would be a little bit lower rated because of the fact that you're talking about guys like Jet Bush. Be like you're interested to see that. Well, he's a walk on, so and I'm not trying to knock Jet Bush. I hope he has a great year. I really do. But at the same time, when there's really only two linebackers that are scholarship linebackers that people feel confident in putting on the field. That's not the greatest situation. Texas did also bring in um, Dia. I'm, I apologize if I. Um, Devin Richardson, but, the transfer. 
well, Diamante Tucker Dorsey too from James Madison, right. um, you know, transfer. Yeah. And then Devin Richardson's there too, but still, I mean, there's just so many questions and, and I, I do think that, DeMarvian Overshawn should probably have a better year this year when it comes to physicality. I think the one thing you have to consider with DeMarvian Overshawn is he his development at linebacker is a little bit far behind because he did play safety his first two years after he signed at Texas. And I do know that Todd Orlando, when he was a defense coordinator, really, really tried to get him to move to linebacker. At the time, DeMarvian Overshawn was set on playing safety. It took Chris Ash to come in to convince him that linebacker is a better fitting position for him. So, you know, I mean, we're talking about a kid that sure he's been on, he's a fifth year senior going into 2022, but he has really only been playing that position for two seasons. And one of those seasons was a shortened 2020 season that didn't have, you know, they only played 10 games that year. So there are 10 games. Yeah. 10 games. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there's a lot of probably a uh, slower development. I think a lot, of, I bet when Steve Sarkeesian and co came in, they probably were expecting a lot more from DeMarvi and Overshawn from a physicality standpoint. Um, just looking at the overall like picture of the roster, there is kind of a reason for that. I do think that DeMarvian Overshawn should take that. Or he, he needs to take the next step. Let's be honest. I mean, if he wants to play in the NFL, he better take that next step. I think he has the tools to do it. I think he has the athleticism to do it. Um, you know, you, you want to see him kind of it click when it comes to being that nasty physical linebacker that you definitely do not want running at you. Um, you started seeing it a little bit more and more as the season wore on prior to his injury last year. But um, yeah, I mean, I think I think that there's a lot of upside for him and for Jalen Ford. But overall, the position, the the depth at the position kind of gives me heartburn when I look at it, honestly, because, <laughs> um, you know, there's just a lot of um, uh, there's there's players that have experience. But a lot of the the players that do have experience on the backup side of that are walk ons. And I don't necessarily think that many people would want that to be the situation for the linebacker role on any team. Yeah. And you mentioned Diamante Tucker Dorsey. He's a really interesting, um, you know, study because he's an undersized guy played at James Madison, um, which is, you know, FCS, but he's one of these little engines that can, and let's see if, you know, he kind of fits the mold of what Gary Patterson played with, um, you know, the undersized fast linebackers. And so I'm, I'm curious uh, because they did take him once Patterson was um, on board as a special assistant to see if maybe the, the defense takes on some new wrinkles, but um, he's an interesting study. You know, and Luke Brockermeyer is coming back from his ACL injury. And, um, you know, he's a guy who's played a lot of snaps. Now he's not a sideline to sideline guy. He knows where he's supposed to be. The question is, can he get there? Right. And, he's a very smart player. Right. Lacks he, some physical tools. He knows the keys. He knows the defense. Um, but, right, he's not. He doesn't have long arms. It's hard for him to get off blocks. He's not exceptionally fast, but he knows where he's supposed to go. The question is, can he get there fast enough to make the play? And and so don't want to dismiss Luke Brockermeyer because he's a you know a solid player. And if he has a defensive line in front of him that can eat up blocks the way I think we expected this defensive line to do last year. That certainly helps a linebacker like Luke Brockermeyer. But uh, last year, there was too much gap penetration, not enough gap control. Linebackers were getting blocked. Um, gaps were getting um, exploited. And the ball was squirting where it wasn't supposed to squirt. Safeties were out of position. The whole thing was a mess. Don't need to remind everyone about the 31.1 points per game given up, 200 yards rushing per game, 5.2 yards you know, per carry, uh, it's too much. And so the confidence of a guy like Jalen Ford, the physicality and confidence and knowledge of 
DeMarvian Overshawn. Um, David Bendis got reps. Luke Brockmeyer's got reps. Now they just have to cut it loose. They need help from the defensive line because there are a bunch of guys up there who have the talent to be difference makers. They just haven't been difference makers yet. So we'll, uh, we'll be talking about that defensive line soon enough, Taylor. Yes, we will. And you're just kind of waiting, I think, on a lot of uh, different positions on the defense. You're kind of just waiting for that light bulb to turn on a little bit for some of these guys. Um, there, there's talent there for sure. And this is not – I'm not just talking about line, but I'm talking about all across the defense – just haven't really seen it click yet. And one thing I will say about Luke Brockermeyer, I mean, I know that um, he he's a guy that a lot of people last year would like rag on a little bit. But when you look at what the defense did last year, you know who is very clearly a guy that the coaching staff trusts is Luke Brockermeyer. I mean, he, he started in 10 games, played in 11 um, before his injury. I think his, he was injured against – he was injured the last contact practice of the season. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Preparing for K-State. That's what it was. Literally yeah. Literally so. the last snap of contact practice of the season going into K-State. Yeah. And, and you know, I but, but the fact that he started 10 games shows that the, the staff did trust him to at least not make an egregious mistake at linebacker. I mean, they expect, I think that when you see that, especially from a guy that's a former walk-on and then with a new coaching staff coming in too, it goes to show that they, they see his um, knowledge of the game. There's just, there are some physical tools that he lacks, but um, you know, that from a, just a guy that you know is not going to make some boneheaded mistake, that's probably what you would put Luke Brockermeyer in, I would say, maybe. I don't know. I mean, there's probably some mistakes. I, I can't remember every play he played. But still, you know, I think that that goes to show where the staff's trust is in him. But you you definitely want to make, if you're a Texas fan, you want to hope that other talent around him kind of steps up. And um, there there's question there. You, you mentioned they only signed one linebacker. Now, Jeff Choate has done a pretty solid job in recruiting so far, you know, he did sign uh, Leona LaFau, or excuse me, he got Leona LaFau from Hawaii to commit to Texas. That was actually the first commitment that came down after Arch Manning committed last Thursday. He committed to Texas on Saturday. He took an official visit prior, uh, a few weeks prior to last weekend. But um, you, you can see them trying to build at the position, but there's still a lot of um, unknowns and question marks right now for Texas entering 2022. And, and that was a position, honestly, Chip, that I was linebacker was a position that I was kind of thinking the staff may make it a priority in the transfer portal. I don't know if it just didn't come to fruition, if there weren't guys that they thought were going to be much better or much more help than what they had on the roster. I'm not really sure how that all played out. That was kind of when I was expecting them to go to the portal for them. Yeah. And now we'll see um, if our, uh, if our man from Tucker Dorsey from James Madison can be uh, a Sam Mills type of linebacker an undersized guy who just makes plays. And that's um, look, we've got to give uh we gotta, we gotta see. We gotta wait and yeah. see. I mean, on paper, you're like, oh my gosh, this guy's 5'10, 214. Can he can he hold up? But if used the right way, he can be a tough, you know, matchup for for offenses um, because he can, you know, get uh, places and and if he's got good instincts, that makes up for everything. If the guy can play fast, he can beat the block, and that's. That's what we have to see. This guy's got a ton of experience. Uh, and so we'll see. But linebacker should be improved. It should be greatly improved. But right now, it is at number five in our position <laughs> rankings. We will continue with those position rankings next week. Now we're getting into the the top five. Yeah. Final four. The good side of the count – or the the – more positive. I'm not the good, po more positive side of the countdown. That's right. Coming up more more positive. Yeah. After five and seven, <laughs> we have to say more positive. Yes. Yes. Hard to say good with too many things on the team. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, Taylor, you ready for some love it or leave it? I am. Before we get to love it or leave it, we're going to take a really quick break, but stick around. We have more football talk and actually a, a baseball topic coming up too with uh, some 
unknowns in the baseball program coming off of that College World Series run. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Chip, you ready for my first love it or leave it for you? I'm ready. All righty. My first is love it or leave it. Steve Sarkeesian has brought, excuse me, has bought himself two more years of job security with the commitment of 2023 five-star quarterback Arch Manning. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to love this. You land the the number one uh, quarterback, uh, the number one prospect in the nation um, for two of the last three years with Quinn Ewers and now Arch Manning, and you're an offensive-minded guy and a quarterback developer. I think Lamar Nation, I mean, look, I've said, what did I say last week, Taylor? What would be an acceptable season for Longhorn Nation? Eight wins in Arch Manning. Yep. Eight now wins you got Arch Manning. Now you just got to go get those eight wins. And trust me, they're not as easy to find on that schedule no. uh, as you think. Because K-State, that's going to be a tough game in Manhattan. Oklahoma State, Mike Gundy. Anyone who doubts Mike Gundy at this point and his ability to reload has not been paying attention. Uh, and even Texas Tech, Joey McGuire, his crazy fanaticism. He's got all the Red Raiders out there riled up, and not to mention Alabama and Oklahoma. So uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be wild. But, yeah, I do think Steve Sarkeesian bought himself two more years of job security. Every athletic director, when they make that decision, um, or if they have to fend off the boosters from trying to make that decision, will say – How's he recruiting? He's recruiting pretty well. I say we give him a chance to to build this thing. Taylor, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I guess the my question would be two more years of job security based off what, like his current contract or from 2022 season moving forward? Oh, I mean, 2022 and 2023, meaning he will be here for, for, for well, actually, we know he's going to be here for 22. So for 23 and 24. Yeah, I mean – Longhorn Nation, this needs to be a love it because seriously, the the what's what did they say? The definition of crazy is doing the same thing over and over, respecting or expecting different results, but you're still getting the same. Texas football has been the definition of crazy. You've had how many head coaches and how many years? And in, in ten, I've covered four. Wait, yeah, this is my fourth head coach I've covered, and I've been on the Texas beat in ten years. That is not a recipe for success. You have to allow these coaches to get their guys in and actually allow them to coach the guys that they bring in. And that's been not the case for Texas. I mean, you want to talk about the all of the hype and none of the you know results for Texas? Well, maybe stop firing coaches. Maybe give them a chance to you know coach the recruits they bring in. Maybe let them coach the recruits until they're upperclassmen to really see, not just their true freshman season. And that's what Texas hasn't been doing. So I'm absolutely going to love this. I think it will be absolutely, in, barring some scandal or some, you know, three straight losing five and seven seasons or something. If Steve Sarkeesian is not the head coach after the 2024 season, I'm just going to throw my hands up in the air and be like, Texas football will never be back. Because if that is the mindset of the people calling the shots, the people that sadly, a lot of the people calling the shots it, more times than not have happened to be ones that don't work for the university. They're the ones that write the checks to the university. You guys keep your mouth shut. 
keep writing your checks and give this coaching staff a chance to do their jobs because they're doing it on the recruiting trail. They've got the number one prospect back-to-back -back years. Really, I mean, you can talk about the 2021 recruiting cycle. That wasn't Steve Sarkeesian's recruiting cycle. He was hired in January. They already had signed the majority of players. He didn't come in until mid-January. He had less. He didn't even have a staff in place. Less than a month to before the second signing period. So I'm not going to even count that. This is only his second signing period or uh, recruiting class. And if he's doing this this early, coming off of a five and seven season, then maybe give him a chance to actually develop these guys. They brought him on. They brought Steve Sarkeesian to Texas to be the quarterback guru developer that he is proven to kind of compete with. Now I know it's kind of a moot point, but compete with Lincoln Riley in developing and bringing in the best quarterback talent out there because it's, it's worked for Oklahoma. Clearly it worked for Oklahoma. And so give him the chance to do it. And if, if this is honestly, Chip, I'm going to mark this down because if for some reason in two years or three years, we're talking about this for a different coach, I'm going to bring this straight up because this is, you, I mean, this is four coaches in 10 years. That's ridiculous. If they're, if you're not going to give Steve Sarkeesian a chance to prove himself as a coach when he's already proving himself tenfold on the recruiting trail, then you have some ridiculous expectations and maybe you should go see a doctor for some medication to calm yourself down because that's absolutely insane. So yeah, I'm a hundred percent going to love this. Yeah. Yeah. And you gotta, you gotta be impressed with, uh, with this momentum that they've got right now. Like we said, make sure you're over at uh, Horns 24-7. There could be a commitment pop in any minute, kids. I know. <laughs> if you Are, do see, if I look at my watch, it's not because I am, or look at my phone. It's not, not because bored. I'm, I'm not bored. No, it's because I have my notification. I hate wearing Apple watches. I, I don't like them. I think they're tracking devices. I'll go into my tin you know, foil cap type of uh, speech some other day. But if I do look, it's not because I'm bored. It's because that's how much Texas is on commitment watch for several prospects. So you definitely want to make sure you're over at Horns 24-7 because it's the good madness going on of the, the summer here. Love it or leave it, number two. Love it or leave it. Quinn Ewers is likely this the quarterback starter for Texas in 2022 and 2023. And then Arch Manning takes over in 2024. I mean... <clears throat> I think this is the most likely scenario, so I'm going to love this. Um, and again, no disrespect to Hudson Card because Hudson Card, he may protect the ball better. He may start the season. I just get the feeling that Quinn Ewers, once Quinn Ewers gets really comfortable and can protect the football, he's got a little more presence than Hudson Card. Now, I'm going to wait and see. I thought Jevin Sneed had the better spring than Colt McCoy. Uh, and we came back from the summer and Colt McCoy had blown Jevin Sneed away in summer workouts, commanding everything, taking over. I'm not hearing that happening with Hudson Card at this point. But but Quinn Ewers is kind of quiet too, but he just has this kind of quiet confidence. Hudson Card tends to tends to sulk when things get tough. And that cannot happen uh, this year because Steve Sarkeesian will not, um, he will not go for that. So I, I do think this, I mean, look, you're the number one prospect. You're the number one recruit in the nation and you're a quarterback. That pedigree says you should be the starting quarterback in 2022 and then 2023. At that point, you're NFL draft eligible. If, the last number one ranked recruit at the quarterback position, Trevor Lawrence, was three and done and ended up being the top quarterback taken in the NFL draft. I think this is how it plays out. I think this is how Steve Sarkeesian privately would like it to play out. I think that's how it's been sold to Arch Manning. Arch Manning's comfortable with, with redshirting at this point. Okay, Arch Manning is the quarterback when Texas begins play in the SEC in the fall of 2024. I love this, Taylor. How about you? Two bold predictions from Chip there. Yeah, I mean. Win in 2024, SEC. <laughs> 
hint, hint, guys, hint, hint. Yeah. You gotta pay attention because <laughs> um, I'll give you yeah. nuggets. Exactly. You just gotta read read through it all, and you'll you'll get the the scoop there. But yeah, no, I I'm gonna agree with you. I think that this is the the plan that Steve Sarkeesian is hoping comes to fruition. Um, and I, there is one part of that chip that I do kind of. There, there's a part of me that is hesitant to be gung ho 100 percent because I, I think that I do think Hudson Card is a talented quarterback. Um, you know, when we talk about him kind of sulking when things get a little tricky or anything, that we're basing that off of just one year of him playing at the college level. And and again, like I've said this before, I know people are going to say I'm some like apologist or something for Hudson Card, but. His true freshman year, he enrolled early and never got the actual experience that most quarterbacks that are early enrollees get as true freshmen because COVID shut everything down, didn't have spring practice, didn't have winter workouts for much more than like two months, didn't have summer workouts, normal schedule. I mean, there was so much that kind of hindered his his a development for that you expect to see from a guy that's coming in as a true freshman early enrollee expecting to redshirt their first year. So um, I, I am still kind of curious to see if something does click. And it, I think if you're Hudson Card, you it needs to do it sooner rather than later because he is he's not competing with Casey Thompson anymore. He's competing with the number one overall prospect in um, the tw I guess technically it would be 2020. What one recruiting should have been right. 2022. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think that it needs the light bulb needs to turn on for Hudson Card now. But I think if if we're talking about the likely scenario, I think this is the the probably most possible one to play out. I also don't want to you know underestimate what Malik Murphy can do because if he is on campus for, I guess he will be on campus for a whole year before um, Arch Manning were to come on campus. I'm not sure if Arch Manning is going to be an early enrollee or not. Um, Mike Roach actually talked about that. Um, there's something with certain private schools. A lot of times you are not allowed to early enrollee. I'm not sure what the situation is with Arch, but you know he'll at least be here next summer. And Malik Murphy may have a little bit of an edge against him. Um, you know, at, when when Arch is an, a redshirt freshman. Now, I think if you're a Texas fan, that's probably the best case scenario because it's not necessarily a bad thing if Arch kind of splits a little bit of time the first you know, um, full season that he is in a position to start for, you know, at the college level, just because he did go to a smaller school, didn't play against the best competition, really hasn't had the best playmakers that he can work with too. So the speed of the game probably is going to take a little bit of an adjustment for Arch Manning. I think, um, I think his natural ability, his bloodlines, everything that he brings to the table will make it less of a um, massive learning curve or anything like that. But I still think you have to expect a little bit of an adjustment period for him, even though his last name is Manning, I get it, but still, you know, so, um, I, I don't want to dis, you know, discount Malik Murphy either. Cause he has insane potential, <laughs> you know, I mean, you look at this kid and you're just like, gosh, like, he's and we've talked about the fact that he has the biggest personality in that yeah. quarterback room. Yeah. When and he's, he's the kid who, when he walks into the locker room, he lights the place up. We're yeah. talking about Malik Murphy. I'm with you. I, I think Malik Murphy's the guy you want to keep in the fold uh, because, man, if he could be a, a team player and, and you know, be give Texas that one-two punch where, you know, like, I mean, this is, I'm going the way back machine, but LSU, when they won their 2007 national championship, Matt Flynn goes down. Ryan Paraloo comes in, wins the SEC title game for him, kind of like Shane Bouchelle came in against Baylor when Sam Ellinger went down. You got to have that quarterback who can come in and win big games. And Malik Murphy seems like a guy you got to keep an eye on. Yeah, for sure. But I, all that to say, I do think that based off of the way that the recruiting is kind of going, I think this is a safe bet to love this and say that this is probably the the plan that Steve Sar Sarkeesian has in his head of what would be an ideal kind of a transition. You know, Quinn Ewers pans out, passes the torch to Arch Manning, and then Arch Manning, you know, does what Mannings do. And so, um, but yeah, I, I I think you love it, but I do I don't want to say that in like discredit 
Malik Murphy, especially, and then Hudson Card even too, because there's still unknowns with Hudson Card. You know, he may, something may click and he may be the more reliable guy. I don't know. I mean, there, there's just a lot of unknown there. So I am going to love it, but that's not me saying those guys should transfer, go elsewhere or anything, because there's just a lot of unknown still and a lot of inexperience. All right. Love it or leave it. Number three. All right. Final one for you. We're going some baseball here. Love it or leave it with UT baseball coach, David Pierce, possibly having to replace all of his assistant coaches. It's time to panic. Uh, I'm going to leave this because as we talked about earlier, yes, Frank Anderson turned down uh, a return to Texas as the pitching coach. Frank Anderson was here when Texas won the national championship in 2002. And uh, he's now at Tennessee. He's got three rising uh, underclassmen who are all seen as potential first rounders. Uh, all of them with a two something ERA uh, hard to leave when Tennessee has so much coming back and they were the number one team, um, you know, in going into the postseason. So my thing is David Pierce deserves the, the chance to take his time, make sure he's got the right pitching and hitting coach. We know David Pierce is a smart guy. He's a talented coach who's taken his team to the college world series three of the last four years. So it is definitely not time to panic. Now there's no doubt that Troy Tulowitzki is a star and him saying that, you know, or indicating he hasn't said anything publicly. He's indicating privately that, you know, he might step away uh, from coaching uh, his wife's pregnant. They're expecting a baby. He's got 80 million in the bank. Taylor it's, you know, he's obsessed with baseball. Maybe he's, you know, telling himself, man, I, I got to let it go at some point, but my gosh, USC offered him the job and he turned it down. So head coach, head coach, head coach. he's a volunteer right now at Texas. <laughs> head coach. He's a volunteer assistant at Texas. So this is, a, this is a guy who's, you know, he's a, he just comes from a different cut than everyone else, but there's no question that he's a talented guy and a lot of the success they had at the plate and in the field defensively was thanks to Troy Tulowitzki. He's, he's that profound. If you read my uh, story last week about Houston street and why he thinks Troy Tulowitzki is so valuable, um, it's a blow, but it's not time to panic. Taylor, how about you? Yeah, I agree. I think that it's obviously a blow, but there's no reason to, um, think that David Pierce isn't going to find the right replacements, honestly. And, and obviously, as you mentioned, you know, losing Troy to that that's a huge blow. Um, but it's not like he's just leaving Texas and going to find quote unquote greener pastures per se, because he did turn down a head coaching job at USC, which back in the day, USC baseball used to be pretty legit. So this is not some, you know, back in the days of Rod Dato. Yeah, <laughs> it's not it's not some scrub program that he has to come and um, that's you the know, guy Augie passed for the all time wins uh, as a collegiate baseball head coach. So, yeah, that's an yeah. iconic program. It is. Yeah. And so this is, you know, when you look at him, potentially, obviously, has not said anything publicly, but not coming back to Texas. I don't think it's the panic of, oh, David Pierce has lost control of the program. That's why everyone's leaving and all of this type of thing. No, I think it's just if he's willing to turn down a head coaching job, I think that it's probably, you know, family stuff should come first at this point. He had a long playing career. He doesn't need the money. He obviously has been working for free at Texas for the last uh, several seasons. So, yeah, I think that um, it's definitely not time to panic. I think the optics from the outside perspective probably look like panic, but I think it's way too soon. I think you have to give David Pierce the the benefit of the doubt. He has only done what he was hired to do at Texas. Sure, he has not won a College World Series, but making that trip to Omaha is not an easy trip, obviously. Only eight teams do it every year. He's been one of those eight and three of four years where they did have a College World Series. So give him the chance to, to build this thing back up. He is going to be losing, you know, or I assume, I should say, I shouldn't say is for sure, but Ivan Melendez is expected to move on. You know, um, there, there's going to be some some 
uh, ups and downs, I would say, from the roster side of things too. Building, you know, relationships with new coaches is going to probably not happen overnight. But given the benefit of the doubt, there's no reason to not. I think at this point, Chip. Yeah, yeah. Uh, remain calm. Once all the hires have been made, and then if people are like, you know, like if he hired you or me. <laughs> Then you should panic. Then they will win the college world series, oh. not just me. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah, then then you jump for joy. Just teasing. All right, listen, folks. We appreciate you uh, giving us some time here on the flagship podcast. Um, make sure that you go back and listen to our Monday Arch Madness, Arch Effect, uh, all things Arch podcast. Uh, if you missed that. And until next time, for Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. We'll see you over at horns247.com. Stay safe and keep the faith.